This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Ah, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, sitting with Santa, telling him what you want for Christmas. I mean, these are indelible images that we have of Christmas. And yet, have you ever stopped to wonder where they came from? Well, Michael Lisicki is a nonfiction author and the leading American historian on department stores. Yes, department stores. And Michael joins us now. Thanks so much for being here. Good morning, Sydney. How are you? I am good, thank you. Hey, Michael, what do department stores have to do with Christmas icons? Well, department stores are basically the developers and caretakers of these icons, or I should maybe say were caretakers and developers these icons. There's so few regional and local ones left, but so many still remain in our heart and played really significant roles in our Christmas lives and memories and traditions. Okay, well, let's start with some of them. For instance, where did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer come from? Well, Rudolph came from, oh, that's a whole long story. And I I know you only have a few minutes. Rudolph is part of Montgomery Ward. It was created in 1939. And a gentleman who was a copywriter was just assigned, can we come up with a character that could compete with the popularity of Ferdinand the Bull, a Disney Disney, um, animation? And here he comes up with this misfit reindeer. The guy's going through a really hard time in his life. He sees himself almost like a misfit. And the purpose between Rudolph was because Montgomery Ward, like was comparable to Sears, wanted to make their own coloring book, cartoon book, to give the children when they went to see Santa. It was a marketing ploy. That's all it was. They Wait, had no whoa. idea it was going to take Michael, off. Michael, Michael, are you telling me yes, yes, yes. that we have been sucked in <laughs> for decades by the story of Rudolph because some guy in the marketing department at Montgomery Ward in 1939 wanted to get people to come to the store? Yeah, that was his charge. Hey, if we really want to get upset. Santa alone is a marketing person. I mean, that's why he was brought in. We love Santa. We all love Santa. But Santa was the spokesperson for these stores. He was responsible for Know the Toys, and he was responsible for be a salesman himself. I mean, yes, they all served multiple purposes. And I don't want to commercialize them too much, but that really was one of Santa's jobs. (laughs) So what are some of the other characters that department stores have come up with? Well, I mean, my favorite is still going down in New Orleans. There's Mr. Bingle. And it's all, let me say that these characters kind of developed mostly post-war when we had to, when department stores were king and you had to differentiate yourself from one department store to the other because we had many within the, within cities. And here you had, again, New Orleans, Mr. Bingle. He was a little snowman. Santa put an ice cream cone on his hat. He came to life. He became this little mischievous little snowman that visited him, visited kids in, in hosp, children's hospitals. He's still beloved. He's still there. A department store there, Dillard, still keeps him alive in merchandise. He's at Mardi Gras. He is still a part of the tradition. But there's so many. I mean, look, every we. Uh, it's hard to, you can't really develop a tradition. A lot of these characters, like Uncle Mistletoe from Marshall Field in Chicago, Mr. Jingling, who had Santa's workshop keys in Cleveland, I mean, they all, 
Um, they all helped serve the regional identities of the communities that they were based. It was just, it was just wonderful, and you, you couldn't have the second best Santa in town. You needed the best one, and you needed a little helper there that could make sure your children didn't want to just see Santa Claus. They wanted to see um, Uncle Mistletoe while they were there. It was, um, yeah, it was right. marketing. It's, it's so brilliant, but the, clearly some of them have lasted longer or resonated more with the public than others have. Yes, it all de- that's true. And it all depends on how much of a caretaker or merchant you are as the years go on. And the most successful ones were the ones that were, that were well taken care of. Now, you have, when these stores were going away, it was becoming more and more difficult if these things are expensive to keep up, and um, that's how many of them faded, began to fade away. But the, the real strong ones and the real strong traditions still do keep going today, whether in albeit a reduced form. Um, I mean, look, but look at Rudolph. Look how look. I mean, that that continues today. Montgomery Ward never realized what it had on its hands. And um, and it, it, it went beyond helping getting kids into their department store. And it still brings joy. It's still aired down here um, every Christmas. It's still a beloved part of the Christmas season. Right. It, it, it lasted Montgomery Ward. I learned all about it last night. What's that? There's any, I hope there's at least one of your listeners right now that knows Pumpkinhead. Please, please. <laughs> Pumpkinhead was an Eaton's cre- uh, creation in 1948, developed by the same guy that came up with the concept of Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd and the Flintstones um, prototype. He worked down with Disney. He worked also with Warner Brothers. He worked with Eaton's department store. And he was this, he was this bear that had a I've mop heard of this. orange hair. And, yes. Oh, I please. I talked and I talked to people from Canada last night. And they don't remember. And I'm in tears thinking this is such a wonderful character. <laughs> but Eaton's didn't know how to control him. Eaton's, you know, Eaton, I don't have to tell any of your listeners the story of Eaton's that know Eaton's. Yeah. Lost directions, and they lost direction with a lot of their tradition. And unfortunately, Pumpkinhead became one that they lost direction with. And, and it, when they brought it back in the early '90s, it was too late for both of them. And it was yeah, it was created, as you point out, as a direct kind of counterpart uh, to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, because I'm sure somebody looked at what was going on down there and thought, "Oh, we can do that too." Oh yeah, I mean, Rudolph had the red nose, uh, uh, and then you had um, Pumpkinhead that had the orange mop of hair on his head because it was able to hold a clown hat because Santa needed another clown because a clown got a tummy <laughs> ache and we were having the parade coming on. There were all these crazy stories. I mean, you wonder how some of them come up with it. But come on, Pumpkinhead. I mean, that... So I, cute. I, just, uh, I only learned I about Pumpkinhead a couple of years ago, actually, and saw the picture. That brings back <laughs> memories. But maybe it was more in central Canada as opposed to on the West Coast because it was definitely like a created at the Eatons in Toronto. But we forget. Sometimes we forget not all of them are as memorable as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Absolutely. But, you know, I mean, when Eatons came into Vancouver in 48, I mean, I wish to believe that there was, and that's the same year that Pumpkinhead was developed. So I wish to think there was some crossover, but I want to say one thing. What would happen if next year those Woodward's windows weren't there at Canada Place? What would happen? There would be an uproar. 
that is a tradition. That there is a typical perfect example of a tradition that Vancouver will not let go, and they assume every year that you're going to have those windows. That's just wonderful. I mean, there's oh, they, your residue. They used to be so much bigger than they are today. But listen, uh, Michael, thank you so much oh, for yeah. telling us about this. You brought back a lot of memories for people. We appreciate that. All right, I'm glad to be here. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Same everybody to up you. there.